0: Hey everyone, I'm Ian Borha, and welcome to a new episode of Rice for Breakfast, a podcast about Asian Americans in pop culture. In news, HBO has announced a new dark comedy about Koreatown, or K-Town, uh, as it's lovingly known, in Los Angeles. Huffington Post reports that the project is being spearheaded by producer Jason Kim, who also worked on the award-winning Barry, and Greta Lee, who is best known for her portrayal of Soojin on Girls. Lee is slated not only to co-executive produce the project, but to also play Yumi, Daughter of the Kang family and self-described, quote-unquote, Brettonwood Barbie, uh, the character reportedly reconnects with the Korean identity she once found embarrassing. HBO uh, produces non-stop great original content, so I'm really excited that they are now jumping into the field as well uh, with an Asian-led show. Uh, I can't wait to hear more details about this. This week's guest is comedian, actress, and writer Alex Song. Alex started training and performing with the Upright Citizens Brigade, often known as the UCB, in 2012 and has since gone on to co-host produce the show Asian AF and write for TV shows like NBC's The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. We talk about her first foray into writing via her Dragon Ball Z fan site, uh, the influence debate club had on her life, uh, battling depression in college, why Asians are still the quote-unquote okay group of people to make jokes about, the UCB, and much, much more. If you're in the New York area, uh, you can catch Alex performing with the UCB or Agent AF, uh, I think almost monthly or more so than that. So you can check on her website. That's alexandrasong.com. And if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, which I know a good amount of listeners are, you can catch her with Asian AF and the UCB at the upcoming Sketch Fest. Uh, I think that happens in usually December or January in San Francisco. It's another great episode. We tackle and talk about a lot of issues and topics I haven't talked about quite yet. And so I hope you all enjoy. You can follow me on Twitter at at Rice Breakfast. You can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rice for Breakfast pod. And you can go to riceforbreakfast.com for more ways to listen. So thank you so much for listening and don't forget, eat your rice for breakfast. Alex, how's it going?
1: Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, of course. Um, How how was your weekend?
1: My weekend uh, was good. My week's going pretty well. Uh, Just living that freelancer's life right now which I don't fully understand what that means, but I've started using it and I'm liking it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good, uh, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing for your freelance work?
1: Just like writing gigs and acting gigs as they come up uh, and I also like tour for uh, the UCB touring company, so just you know, whatever will pay me a couple hundred bucks at a time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. And we'll definitely get to the UCB stuff later as well. And you live in New York, correct?
1: I do, yeah. I live in Brooklyn.
0: Nice. And how long have you been out there?
1: I've been here for seven years now. Uh, I did a brief stint in L.A. this year, actually. I, I was out in L.A. for about four months this year.
0: Oh, great. Uh, what were you doing out there?
1: I wrote on um, an Asian-American show, actually. It was uh, it was a show in development for Cartoon Network. I'm not sure how much I can... Uh, like Disclose. Uh, disclose... Uh, over air i'd be happy to talk to you more about it after. <laughs> right. but uh it was very cool i wish um you know as of now i don't know if it's going anywhere but i it was very cool to get to run in a room with uh, a bunch of asian people
0: do you watch cartoon Art network stuff for you in the animated uh, shows and such
1: i i used to as a kid but this was my first animated show that i worked on um and yeah it was uh, it was a whole different world everybody had like different jargon I didn't really know but um yeah it was cool to get to get a peek into both that and also to get a taste of LA.
0: Did you ever spend much time out there um, prior to New York?
1: No it was my first time uh, being there for a prolonged period of time I'd been there for like vacation as a kid and then like for a couple of one-off shows uh the year before but this was the first time I like kind of tried living there.
0: Nice and how did you like it?
1: Uh, it was a mixed bag. I liked when I had a job <laughs> there, and then when I didn't have a job, it, the days felt very long. Sure. Um, yeah. What, uh, what? Can I ask what neighborhood you're in?
0: Oh, uh, so I'm actually in Seattle. Um, oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm based in, or I'm from San Francisco Bay Area originally, okay. and then I moved up to Seattle three and a half, four years ago ish. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. But where were you? My sister lives in LA. She's, uh, she lives in Santa Monica. She went down there for college, and then never came back she loved it there.
1: <laughs> uh i was in uh burbank for the job and then i lived in los Feliz for two months after that
0: nice um
1: i like santa monica a lot it was very far away though
0: <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um, yeah the traffic is a uh, is, is truly brutal there uh it right. li- lives up to all the hype
1: right although when i came back to new york i just was in like gridlock traffic coming back from the airport and i was like oh yeah i forgot that." it's also bad here. I just don't take cars. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um, but awesome. that's
1: cool. Okay. I didn't know you lived in Seattle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's nice. Uh, the, the summers here are amazing. It's, you know, daylight from like 7am till 10pm sometimes like at the peak of it. That sounds amazing. Uh, but then in the winter, the daylight is from 10am to like 4pm. So I'm basically in the office for all of sun and then it goes away. Uh, so a little bit of a, kind of ramp up there because the winters get very very long but the summers is, is a good payoff
1: okay cool yeah i've never been out there but i've always wanted to uh i really liked visiting vancouver as a kid so i i've been wanting to go back to that area
0: nice yeah vancouver i, I went up there once uh I, I drove up there to see paul mccartney um, oh, cool. yeah he played seattle but my wife and i were out of town or something so we we drove up to for the night cool cool little city i want to spend more time there There, we were there for like 36 hours or something, which is obviously not enough time.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I barely remember it from when I was a kid, but I liked it a lot.
0: Um, So, speaking of you being a kid, uh, where are you from originally?
1: (laughs) Well, I was born in Toronto, Ontario, and then I moved to the States when I was eight. Um, And then I grew up mostly in New Jersey, outside of New York, like 30 minutes outside of the city. Um, And then I uh, moved to New York for school, so I've been here ever since.
0: That's awesome, um, and did, did your parents, uh, what brought them over to the states, or what brought all of you to the states?
1: My mom got a job in New York City, uh, so she was out here uh, by herself for a year, like flying back and forth. Uh, like she'd fly back for the weekend and then fly back to New York um, on Monday morning, uh, and then after a year of that, she like, kind of scoped out a place for us to live, and then moved us out here uh, mostly for the school system. I think also she really wanted us to uh, like go to a, a better school system. Me and my brother went to uh, elementary through high school in New Jersey in like the the top rated public school there.
0: Got it. And um, do you have older brother or younger brother?
1: Younger brother, younger by five years.
0: Okay, so he was pretty young then. Um, yeah. Do you have memories of like moving? To New Jersey from Toronto?
1: I mean I guess a little bit I I vaguely remember being like kind of popular in my elementary school in Canada it was like not that I had a ton of friends it was just like me and two other uh, Asian girls Caden and Francis and like everybody wanted to be our friends but then like when I moved to uh, when I moved to New Jersey, I remember I spent most of the year like without a single friend and I was like super
0: lonely. Oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was like the biggest, uh, culture shock, I guess. <laughs>
0: uh, so, so what did you do to like kill the time then or, or in your, in your spare time when you were struggling for friendship at a young age?
1: <laughs> I remember recess would be the hardest cause it, I always felt like it was the most apparent that I didn't have friends then. Because like everybody else would be off doing things, and I would just like just be walking around the field by myself. <laughs> uh, and then after school, I like go home on the bus by myself, and it was fine. And because um, nobody would know that I I wasn't going on playdates and stuff. But like cool. later in the year, I I finally made like a group of friends, and and things were okay for a while. And then we moved again. Um, So it started all over again. It was New Jersey the whole time, but we went from like uh, a house we rented to like a house uh, we bought, but within the same town. Uh, But it was like in different school districts. So I had to change elementary schools again. Yeah.
0: Do you remember like your favorite uh, things to do or watch when you were younger?
1: I guess I really do think of, like, my life as, like, uh, as childhood, at least, as, like, the Canada phase and everything after. Because in Canada, I was, like, very into, like, Magic School Bus and everything educational. And then once we moved to the States, first of all, we had, like, Nickelodeon for the first time. I never had that in Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that would be what I watched. And then, like, I started, like, playing soccer during recess and trying to be, like, more... Like sporty, but I think in Canada, I was very much just like these are my friends, and I'm into school, and I don't have to try to be funny or anything besides <laughs> who I'm supposed to be <laughs> told by my parents
0: so how did you try to be funny then that, that's a curious a funny way to put it like do you remember things you did to try and be funny and, and make friends uh when you moved to the states
1: yeah i I remember in fifth grade, I like truly would just like be walking down the hall from our like uh like line of uh students like going from our regular classroom to like the library or music class and I would just like randomly fall like I would just prep (laughs) fall for all the other kids to the point where my fifth grade teacher had to like hold my hand to make sure I didn't keep doing that (laughs) so not like high quality humor just like whatever I could do to like get a reaction from people, I guess. Um, I remember like getting yelled at by my third grade teacher uh, because I had started the year like very quiet, and by the end of the year, I was like interrupting her in class, and she was like, "What happened to like the sweet kid I knew?" <laughs> um, and she like fully made me cry <laughs> uh, just from being like, "What happened to you?"
0: What did your parents think of th- of this switch from uh, a change in Alex?
1: I think I probably was still mostly the same at home. Although I think over the years I did learn how to be like, I think more than anything, I'm very proud that I'm able to crack jokes in Chinese. Like I don't care about how I'm doing with an American audience. The fact that I can make like an Asian relative laugh, that's like (laughs) the height of achievement. But I think for the most part, I was pretty much the same at home uh, for like those early elementary school, middle school years. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, So do you you speak Chinese, obviously, it seems like, or you're just talking about? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Which dialect?
1: Uh, Mandarin.
0: Very cool. Uh, Did you learn, obviously, I guess, when you were a kid, so did your parents like speak it to you at home to make sure you were bilingual from the start or? Was that something that kind of came? You went to a separate, like, Chinese school or something like that to learn?
1: Oh, I guess it was a little bit of both. Uh, my mom was very insistent on always uh, speaking Chinese at home. Uh, but then we did also go to Chinese school to, like, learn reading and writing. Uh,
0: and for, I guess, people who don't know what Chinese school is, do you want to explain that <laughs> a little bit?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, for me, it was uh, every. I think it was on Saturday mornings. Uh, it would just be a different school. Uh, it was like the middle school in the next town over, where all the like Chinese families from that area uh, would uh, go with their kids to learn how to read and write Chinese. And it was separated very much like regular school with like different grades and stuff. And there'd also be like uh, extracurricular. Uh, classes we could take like there was like dance classes I like the karate class they had and they had like I I think art also Uh,
0: and how long did you do that for
1: trying to remember I think we started pretty much right away and when we moved in like third or fourth grade and I think I probably stopped maybe like ninth grade uh because I also graduated early from Chinese school of course sure uh yeah like I completed all the I think they go up to grade 12 but I like finished uh before I finished like regular high school which I mean it was all for naught I guess because I don't really remember how to read and write Chinese uh as much as I wish I did
0: did you um ever watch or like watch uh Chinese films or TV or listen to you know Chinese music as you're growing up as well?
1: Um I went through a phase of really liking like Chinese I guess soaps like the those like kind of like episodic like yeah. mini series yeah. type things that w- took place in like uh like period pieces essentially like I was really into those for a couple summers when I when I used to I used to go to China every summer uh for a period of time to visit my grandparents. Uh, so I was really into those. Uh, and then I also really liked uh, Dragon Ball Z specifically, but also like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff, but I guess that's more Japanese.
0: Um, who is your favorite DBZ character?
1: Oh, uh, I think <laughs> I, well, this will sound bad cause he's kind of like the white seeming one, but I really love <laughs> Trunks <laughs> Sure. Yeah. and Goten also.
0: That's funny. Uh, yeah, but Trunks was like the funny one, right? I, I didn't watch DBZ yeah. like hardcore, but he was like okay. the funnier character, right?
1: I think so, yeah. He was a little bit of a troublemaker. Goten also. Uh, yeah, I was obsessed to the point of like in fourth grade, I taught myself like HTML and like bought, like paid for a domain name <laughs> and like maintained a Dragon Ball Z fan website uh, called ZWarriors.net. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Man, is it archived <laughs> anywhere? Have you tried s- oh, seeking I the deep tried. web? You got oh, to try and I find gotta that. I got to learn
1: how to do that. Yeah, I, I'd be fast. I just spent so much time, like every week I would make a new like splash page and a new like, like I spent way more time on the layout than I did on actual content, which <laughs> like, what do you do for a fan site? Like for content, I, I had a tab, like a page called unknown facts, which that's not, that can't be a real thing. It can't be a fact and unknown if I'm publishing it on this. <laughs> yeah. website.
0: Where did you source all this content just from watching the shows or did you go to other like, uh, fan sites and forums to try and build out your site as well?
1: <laughs> I think it was all over those fan sites and forums. Like it took a lot of brainstorming also to be like, okay, these are what all the other fan sites are called. I can call mine Zwarriors.net. It's not taken yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That yeah, is that was <laughs> pretty good. Um, do you watch it now? Ever like, do you watch like the the recuts and all sort of stuff?
1: I haven't watched it in a while, but I did see on the on like New York City subways that they're coming out with like a brawley movie. Oh, really? <laughs> like some offshoot movie? Yeah, and next year, next January, so I'm I'll probably go see that.
0: You can relaunch your site uh, in, in conjunction. Yes.
1: With that. <laughs> Uh, it's relevant <laughs> again. This was the perfect timing for it.
0: Um, so you said you went to China every summer when you were growing up. Uh, who did Who did you visit out there?
1: Both my parents' parents, so all four of my grandparents uh, live in China. Um, my parents actually grew up in the same uh, city, but they and like I think went to they also went to the same high school, but they didn't meet and then date until uh, university. Uh, they're divorced now, so it's not like a wow, what a what a lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: do you remember? Like, did you enjoy doing those trips? Did it? Did you? Was it kind of cumbersome for you, like as a kid, or what were your feelings? For uh,
1: you? I think I liked them as a kid. I think the only uh, thing I was frustrated with, especially as I got older, was that I didn't have much freedom to go off and do things by myself. So it was kind of just like uh like two weeks or so of, or, or like a month of just like kind of being cooped up in the house and waiting uh for like when my grandparents wanted to go shopping but i really did like love being there with them and like eating their cooking and i'm actually going in three weeks like i just talked to my mama last night and it was a pretty last minute decision to to buy flight out in three weeks so i'm excited about that
0: nice um when, yeah. was, when was the last time you had been prior to this upcoming trip?
1: Uh, prior to that, I think it's been about three years, and before that, it's been like four years. So it's been a lot more sporadic.
0: But still pretty yeah. frequent, relative. I, I mean, so.
1: yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and then I like I was always jealous of friends who could just visit their grandparents by like driving thirty minutes. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I like I'm like okay, now the visit's done. I'd like to go home now, but it's we have two more weeks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right because it wouldn't be worth it otherwise and I, I do miss them like the stretches of years in between yeah
0: When did you pick up sort of an interest in writing? I guess your DBZ fan site sort of uh, <laughs> is from there but when did you start start taking it like a little you know seriously or think you can do it like as a career or in college or anything like that?
1: Even in high school, my main thing in high school was I uh, like my main activity was um, speech and debate. Like I dedicated most of my time all four years in high school to competing in uh, the speech and debate team. Um, I did this event called extemporaneous speaking, which was basically like you get like a topic uh, that's like a current events, current affairs question. And then you're supposed to answer it with a seven minute speech and have it fully prepared and memorized in those 30 minutes. Uh, wait, and then, you, wait, hold on. Yeah.
0: You write a speech in thirty minutes and memorize it.
1: Yeah, so like obviously, (laughs) obviously, it doesn't make sense to write it out word for word. So you kind of like outline it and then learn to like kind of talk on your feet, like covering your points and making it seem like this was like a very rehearsed, uh, like flawless seven-minute speech.
0: Right. Um, that's funny cause that kind of like sets you up for your future improv life as well.
1: I think so. Well, so I think what drew me so much to that was like, it was the closest thing to performing I could do, uh, with my mom still being okay with it. Like I, I think even before knowing I wanted to be a comedy writer, although I did always want to be some form of artist. Like I remember being five years old and telling my mom I wanted to be an artist and she was like, no, uh, <laughs> She was like, people don't make money that way. Uh, there's, you know, the phrase a starving artist for a reason. Um, and then when I was like 10 in fifth grade, I like cut out this uh, thing from the local newspaper asking uh, to for acting classes. And I like put it on my mom's pillow asking if I could take these acting classes. And she was just like, no, we don't do stuff like that. Um, so I think in high school, speech and debate was the closest I could get to uh, performing while still having it be academic. Um, and I, yeah, like even in the speeches, my favorite part was just like the beginning, like the uh, the like technical term was attention grabbing device, the AGD, and essentially it'd be like, the first thing you say that grabs the audience's attention and I always like put the most time in like writing a joke for that and then like the rest of my speech would be terrible.
0: So did you hold like a, a grudge against your mom when you were younger, just like struggling and wanting to do, acting or theater or anything like that
1: yeah for sure it felt like a little bit like stifled dreams or whatever uh but i mean also the reason i wanted to act was in retrospect the dumbest reason uh was like i used to love the show seventh Seven Heaven. in sure. fifth grade yeah. i would watch it every day after school and uh for some reason like realizing that those people were actors made me think wow i want to do that <laughs> was the show, seventh heaven um yeah, and so like i in high school, I also did like pit orchestra uh and like the crew uh to like be close to the theater productions wh- while not actually like performing in them
0: where did you end up going to college
1: um i went to n y u um in New York city
0: mm-hmm. and uh for what uh
1: so following like the speech and debate track, uh, I applied as an international relations major and then was undeclared and then kind of psychology, but n- not officially. And then I uh, didn't finish college, so I dropped out.
0: Oh, okay. What's the, do you mind going to the story there?
1: For like childhood through, I would say sophomore year of high school, I was very much uh, early strive to be, you know, the perfect quote-unquote Asian kid of like straight A's uh the kid that all the other Asian kids would get mad at because my mom would brag to their parents about me right uh and then sophomore year of high school was when I started rebelling and like I think uh failed a class once per year like and like would just drop out of it and um Uh, Like sophomore year, failed out of AP Bio, but still like took the test and got a five or whatever. (laughs) Right. Uh, And then so going to NYU uh, grade school, but very much at uh, by that point was like, oh, this was like uh, would have originally been a safety school. But now it's like, oh, I, I think I applied to. I don't know if I've ever uh, said this publicly, but, publicly, but I applied to 22 schools, I believe, because my guidance counselor. Yeah, I know it's embarrassing. <laughs>
0: well, in, in California, the the you know the UC system makes it, and just like California is such a competitive college or like college state, people uh-huh. say like nine to twelve um, is like sort of what you want to do, like you know four oh, okay. reach four that you'll most likely get into, and then four that you like will get into. Um, okay. But yeah, 22, that's a lot.
1: I know, like it was a lot even for my school and my school was like prided itself on like getting 10% of uh, the entire class into Ivys every year and like sure. essentially like 100% uh, of graduating seniors uh, going to college. Uh, so I applied to 22 because my guidance counselor was just like you have great test scores, you have a lot of extracurriculars, you have a terrible GPA. So let's just like fling stuff at the wall <laughs> and see what sticks um, and see like what colleges make of you. Uh,
0: what did you do when you started to like drop out of high school or what kind of, or college, like what led you to that decision? Yes. Uh,
1: so it was kind of uh, like what started in high school, like spiraled a little bit worse in, in college. I was definitely like, Uh, probably already depressed in high school and then it got worse in college now that I was like, uh, living on my own, like with two roommates, obviously, but, um, uh, just like not with, not with my parents and like not going to classes and just, uh, not doing assignments. Um, so, uh, and then, uh, there, there was like a scare, uh, like my freshman year, um, where my roommate was scared that I, I was going to kill myself, so I uh, she called public safety, NYU public safety, and um, I ended up having to go to like the wellness center once a week to like check in with uh, whatever counselor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like kept failing classes, and then so when January came around, uh, I think like the dean of of the college I was in, uh, the College of Arts and Science, like asked to meet with me. And like my mom came with me. I think it was like the day of my birthday in January um, and uh, recommended that I take uh, the spring semester off. So to take like a medical leave of absence, go to therapy. Um, So essentially I I did that at the time. I was like, wow, this is the hardest decision of my life. I'm sure this is like the turning point. Now in retrospect, it's like, oh, it it was, you know, the beginning of a longer journey. But. Hmm. Um, I hate that I called it a journey anyway <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so the the spring semester was when I started comedy essentially. Uh, I had all this free time. i I moved back home to New Jersey, but would like buy a, an, a train ticket into New York every day um and like sign myself up for uh UCB and Mopauff classes.
0: Wow, that's a uh your roommate. Thank God she, you know, whether or not you believe you're serious or not. I mean, it's it's really great that your roommate took the time to do that, right? Um, Yeah. There's so many issues now, especially like there are always stories of college kids who get stressed out and, you know, worst case scenario things happen. And, you know, oftentimes there's people who like can see some things or notice and they don't take the time to do that. So it's, I mean, that's amazing that your your roommate took the time to do that. It's a pretty big decision for a, you know, 18, 19 year old person to do. Um, Totally.
1: Yeah, what? and I remember being upset with her at the time, but yeah, so so grateful now.
0: Yeah, um, which is like the fear of people, right? Like they don't they don't want to lose their friend because they're overreacting or something like that. But it's right. a, it's a good thing. Um, so, what was it like with your mom then when um, all that kind of happened? Was it like a surprise, or you know, what kind of what happened with your relationship from there?
1: Um, I think she was resistant to me not staying in school uh although obviously wanting uh what whatever was best for me i think um yeah it's interesting to try to remember her reactions at each stage um just because like we've both like I guess I've gone through so much of this together that like now she, she does have a very um, progressive uh, viewpoint on things. Although um, that wasn't always the case, you know, at the time, but I'm hesitant to like, be like, Oh, it was terrible. Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great though that you, I mean, your relationship got, you know, you guys grew together, right? Which is a, a we definitely
1: got put through the ringer over, over the last, Uh, however many number of years yeah
0: yeah no that's great um and so you move back home and you start writing comedy how does that uh, how does that connection happen
1: yeah so uh well I guess I uh, it's the first time I'm allowed to perform really also Um, so I guess with improv and I also did take uh, sketch classes concurrently with improv and I just kind of took all of those classes back-to-back and was like very much ingrained in the UCB system. Uh, when I did go back to school in the fall, I also auditioned for like the, the NYU improv and sketch teams. Um, So I got onto Danger Box, which is the NYU improv team, and then the following year I got onto Hammercats. Although uh, in terms of actually being in school and classes, uh, kind of the same cycle happened again the next fall. Um. Yeah, so, I took the spring off again my sophomore year, and then when I uh, applied to go back uh, in the fall, the following year, uh, I think I actually uh, was not allowed, like basically they were like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think I, I tell people I dropped out, but I also, like I guess in a way flunked out.
0: Sure, just, it's a little bit yeah. of a hybrid there.
1: It's a little bit of a hybrid. It's interesting because I did also have a a high school English teacher who already noticing like my patterns of like either doing really well when I turned in assignments or just like not doing the assignment at all, Mm -hmm. uh, like told me kind of unsolicited once just like, Alex, you're either going to have a 4.0 in college or flunk out. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I guess she was right in that. And then my guidance counselor was like, "I hope you don't pursue a career w- related to writing." Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we'll see how this all goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you're doing improv classes. You're doing the UCB. Um, did you find that you enjoyed being on stage more, or did you enjoy like the background of writing and, and figuring out like what jokes work? um
1: more so i think i like both for uh different but also some of the same reasons i think for a while i i I also got put on a ucb sketch team first as a writer and then like about a year later got put on uh an improv team as a performer um and i remember being really upset uh despite it being like uh a cool thing that like two years into taking classes, I got put on a sketch team as a writer.
0: Right. That's Uh, like almost unheard of, correct for the UCB?
1: I guess so. It used to maybe be more common like, uh, like years ago, but now like it's so saturated with, uh, you know, this huge pool of talented people that it it does get very competitive to get on.
0: Right. Um, Did you have any influences or writers or shows, movies you looked to as you started trying to do, Hone your comedy writing craft.
1: I really loved uh, Tina Fey in high school, and I think it was her book Bossy Pants that mm-hmm. like made me aware of UCB of the Upright Citizens Brigade. Like I think she just mentions it at some point in the book, and I remember dragging my freshman roommate to a show like the first week of school uh, just from like hearing about it in this book. Um, and then we just started going to shows every week. Uh, so I guess Tina Fey, although I haven't been following her recent work as much, mm-hmm. uh, and have mixed feelings about you know, uh, the whole Asian people uh, and how they're represented, especially in Kimmy Schmidt, but.
0: I haven't, so I know. actually haven't seen Kimmy Schmidt. Um, okay. I've heard good things, but I'm curious, what, what, what are you talking about as someone who hasn't seen it?
1: I, I want to preface it by saying that, like, in high school, I like loved 30 Rock, watched every episode, quoted it with friends, like, sure. just back and forth. Yeah, I,
0: I love 30 Rock, yeah.
1: <laughs> just want to say, I love Dina Faye. Please don't listen to this and never <laughs> hire me. <laughs> in the second season, there was, like, a whole storyline with, like, one of the characters per- uh, performing as a geisha. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's like, oh, in my past life, I was a geisha, but he's not Asian. Um, and I remember the uh, the plot was kind of like there's Asian protesters um, and the resolution was kind of just that the protesters were wrong. And I remember not loving that, even though uh, I think it was like, my guess is that it was like mirroring uh, kind of like cancel Colbert or movements like that.
0: I, I guess kind of on that, like what, like as a writer... Where do mm-hmm. you kind of fall on the spectrum of comedy as comedy and, um, you know, and sort of pushing, um, I don't want to say like, like gross boundaries. Cause that's, I think that's a whole like different conversation, but in terms of like uh, you know, race as the butt of a joke or something like that, do you have sort of like a hard line or is that sort of something you're kind of developing as you grow as a writer and as um, like kind of pop culture is also growing as a, as a field
1: uh yeah i think i'm still trying to figure it out i i don't think i have a hard line of like this is always right and this is always wrong i think i do really like um for me personally like when like i like jokes that kind of reclaim things Mm -hmm. uh like I do like a good Asian joke, but I prefer <laughs> an Asian person tells it. You know, sure, totally. um, I don't like jokes that kind of just other you. Even kind of now is just like that. I it often felt like Asian people were the last like okay group to just like make a throwaway joke about.
0: Right, there was that bit in the Oscars a couple of years ago, right, where the whole show was about. Um, oh yeah. I forget, but the show is about, obviously, race and and, and diversity. Uh, And then the immediate joke afterwards was about, like, uh, three little Asian kids came out to do the, like, Ernst & Young accountants. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and what's so funny to me about that is, like, wow, the the only Asians on stage. Right. Like, they did get some Asian people on stage, uh, (laughs) but it's not really a joke that was up to those little kids.
0: Do you think a part of the reason Asian people maybe are not um, being considered for roles or are still being okay as a butt of jokes, is that because of um, Asian people haven't mobilized enough at all or do you think that should be um, like a next step for people or do you think that shouldn't even be like a part of the equation?
1: I I think there is something to like Asian people hadn't mobilized enough. I think we're starting to now. I, I remember when I was a freshman at NYU, I like uh, RSVP to this like random event and went uh, and it was a bunch of like uh, people uh, discussing like Asian-American representation specifically in theater, in New York theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and like somebody used the phrase uh, and it was the first time I had heard it, but I guess I've heard it a lot more since. But like Asian people are seen as the perpetual foreigner. Mm. Um and also just, like, that idea of, like, invisibility and stuff. But then, like, somebody else did bring bring up the counterpoint of, like, with African-American performers, like, there have been so many years in, um, like, groups, like, fighting for fair and, like, good representation, That I guess. Yeah, I think we're going places. I think these, like, uh, Crazy Rations is a good first step, um, shows like i guess like asian af which i i host in new york but Mm -hmm. was founded in la Mm
0: -hmm. uh and so i was gonna ask about asian af so uh can you what is asian af
1: uh asian af is a show created in la by will troy um and it's co-hosted there by will and keiko againa it started out as uh like uh a response to when scarlett johansson um was cast in ghost mm-hmm. in the shell mm-hmm. uh, so it was like an uh improv show at first called like scarlett johansson presents and it was all asian american performers at used LA. <laughs> um, yeah and it uh sold out uh and like packed uh the theater in a way that like even the theater staff was like astounded by um and it has consistently sold out in la and so in, um, I think, June of 2017, Will brought it over to New York uh, with Keiko. And then uh, Dan Lee and I were just like part of the show as performers then. Um, and it was the first time I'd seen that many Asian people at UCB. And it, it really felt magical and incredible. Like it was, it was a night I uh, I vividly remember.
0: Uh, when when you do shows like Asian AF, and now that you're sort of like ingrained, as you said, like or at least more connected with like the Asian performers in New York and UCB, do you find mm-hmm. that there's sort of a common thread amongst you uh, as um, comedians or writers?
1: I don't want to speak for everybody, but sure, I do. Sure. Get a, yeah, I do get a sense of like, like we all like being together, but it is like a novel experience. Um, and I think at least with the improv people, we were all very much used to being the only Asian person in our improv classes coming up. Um, but now to get to like at least once a month improvise with uh, only other Asian Americans uh, has been very cool.
0: You've done improv, you do your sketches and all sorts of stuff. You also have a pretty uh, impressive list of writing credits um, that you have on your IMDb page. And so for someone for someone, who's, <laughs> someone who's counselor told you uh, not to get into writing, you have a bunch uh-huh. with uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. You did HBO's Night of Too Many Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you get those gigs and, and what were those like?
1: So I got on a sketch team at UCB in 2014. And then one of my teammates on that team referred me to his manager. And that was when I was still 21. And I remember being like, okay, so it doesn't seem like she's about to sign me. So I just like asked, like, Oh, like, how do I get into that same, like playing field as like my friends who are repped by you? And she was like, Well, you need like samples, like, I can't just be like, hire her, trust me. So it took me like, like a year and a half, almost two years to finally get like, um like a pilot script. And like, I guess at the time it was still kind of given as advice to like write a spec of like an existing TV show. Right. So I wrote a spec and a pilot and I sent that to her, didn't hear anything for a while and then reached back out when I had like a few um, like writing assistant interviews and other things like kind of coming up. And she hopped on the phone with me and said like, Oh, it sounds like you've been doing a ton. I guess the ball just kind of rolled from there of like just submitting packets and stuff. First job I got, uh, was like a couple months after starting to work with her with a packet again that i like procrastinated. i think i just like straight up missed the deadline of the packet and she was like are you gonna do this and i was like oh i thought the deadline passed and she was like uh for the future you should just like stay in contact with me about that <laughs> uh because like they extended the deadline so i like i think i stayed up till like 2 a.m finishing that packet and that was the first job i got it was like a, a true tv show called comedy knockout i remember getting on the phone with my mom right after that uh, interview and telling her I got in this first writing job and her reaction was like, Oh, that's so great. Now you can get whatever HR job you want with this on your resume. (laughs) I remember being so confused because we had never talked about me going into HR before. (laughs) I think she just was so worried. Like for the longest time in college, she was like Alex. uh, Like, uh, will become a lawyer maybe. Like, even if she won't do something with science, like she had done, like uh, she'll like go into law and that'll be fine. And I don't know where HR came from after, after all that. Just an office job, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you booked your first gig with True TV, um, and you enjoyed it. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, it was cool to just get to show up and write jokes all day, and then go home or go do a show after that um and I think it was surprising to me just how much the pay increase is from like restaurant job working <laughs> on trips, like barely making rent to like this is too much money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is like very sporadic work so I think that's probably the trade-off of sure like,
0: did you splurge on anything for, with like, your first like big writing paycheck
1: Oh yeah, so I was so self-conscious about like my old laptop, um, going because I had to bring my own computer for that sure. job. Um, that I, uh, I justify it to myself as like with my first ch- paycheck, I bought myself a new MacBook. Uh, it's a work expense. But in reality, it was yes, it was a work expense. Uh, but it was actually that I bought the MacBook before my first day of work. So it <laughs> technically wasn't it wasn't with the physical paycheck from my first sure. day of work. And then a few weeks later, a different writer started and he had like the oldest like Dell computer. And I was like, well, <laughs> I could have just it didn't matter. Save yourself two thousand dollars. You can write on anything. Sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but it's about how you feel right going into the room. That's a factor, too um and so when did you when did you uh book uh, jimmy fallon
1: pretty shortly after that so the true tv show was like august of 2016 and it it only worked for uh, a month and so in september also at this point i was um uh taking classes at brooklyn college because i was still very like i think i can maybe finish a degree i actually had a week Uh, of work at True TV where it kind of overlapped with like classes starting and my boss was like very cool with me doing that so (laughs) September and October I was just doing like my classes Uh, I think I was only taking two classes at the time because I was still kind of like doing that thing where like I wouldn't uh, pass all of them Uh, so I was only taking two classes and definitely kind of like spiraling into like maybe a depression of like oh wow I'll never work again I had that one job Now it's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in November, uh, I like submitted a packet to the Tonight Show, like worked super hard on it, and also happened to meet one of the writers on the show doing a UCB sketch show. Uh, Got the Tonight Show in November. Oh, and I I ended up uh, finishing those two Brooklyn College classes like over email.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, so then you you got it all done then, just like that. Um, Do you have a favorite sketch you've written?
1: I guess my style or like self-esteem as a writer is very much like anything in the past I hate now, like anything I've done not like right now, I'm like, oh wow, that was very bad. Right. Uh, so I'm trying to think anything that has stood the test of time that I still respect myself for. Um,
0: <laughs> well, that's good that you're forcing yourself to keep improving, right? <laughs>
1: I I had a sketch that I liked for a while that was like, it was just from, uh, that I wrote at UCB for my sketch team there. Um, It was like a game of Never Have I Ever uh, except in a courtroom. So it was like trying to solve a murder (laughs) case by playing Never Have I Ever.
0: That's great. What advice would you give to any young, budding comedian writer who wants to uh, get into the field?
1: It's interesting because it does feel like like everybody's path is very much their own. The advice I would give is just be ready for it when that comes, like when that opportunity comes. So I remember really kicking myself for like years, like at least two years when I uh, met that manager for the first time and I wasn't ready and I thought I like blew it. Um, I think just keep doing it and like try to be ready when when the opportunity comes.
0: Where can people keep up with you follow you on social media, find out when you're doing shows and all that sort of stuff?
1: I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Snog. It's like Alex Song, but with a typo. <laughs> okay. uh, my website is alexandrasong.com. I need to update it. Come see Asian AF if you're in New York or LA. Uh, I think we're also doing a San Francisco show with San Francisco Sketch Fest.
0: Doing a set. Are you going to fly out for that?
1: Uh, I want to. Yeah, we did it. Our first time doing it was, and my first time in also Asian F's first time doing it was last year and like immediately sold out and we got like two more dates. So I think we have a bigger venue this year. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it was so much fun.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out. This was a fun conversation.
1: Thank you for having me of and course. I had fun.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks so much.